Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Yaro Starak. Hi everyone, this is Yaro Stark here, and I've got on the line with me my good buddy Darren Rouse, who uh, has joined me on a few of these podcasts, and I decided to give Darren a call because we want to talk about blog design, and that's something that Darren has recently done. He's gone through uh, a new design at problogger.net, and a few other prominent bloggers online have also been doing redesigns, and I'm currently in the process of doing one myself at Entrepreneur's Journey. So something's in the wind, and I thought we might delve into the the reason why these blog designs happen and get a bit of uh, an insight into what's the point of, I guess, reinventing your blog on a regular basis. So, Darren, thanks for joining me yet again. No problem, Yaro. It's uh, it's good. I, I actually was thinking as uh, I was preparing for this call that I actually quite enjoy doing them because I always come out of them with three or four ideas for posts. So I've got my pen and, and uh, notebook sitting right here to, <laughs> to <laughs> drop down ideas for, for future posts that might come out of this, this uh, call. So it's good to be with you. I don't understand how you ever need more ideas for posts, Darren. I mean, there's, there's you've only written a few thousand. <laughs> About three and a half thousand hours. <laughs> yeah, so that's got to be only like one percent of the possible ideas you could have. So. <laughs> true, true. Well, let's see if we can be amused for everyone as well. So now we've written down a few few topics we want to cover in this call, and we're going to start with the uh, really obvious question to ask ourselves when we're thinking about doing a blog design, which is uh, why would you want to bother doing one in the first place? So let's let's get really practical. And, and Darren, you did a, a redesign of be getting close to a month now ago as we record this. What was the motivation behind doing that? There was a number of things. Um, probably the main one was that it was just time to do it. it Problog had been running for two and a half years, um, largely with the same design. I think I actually launched with the, the previous design. Um, and whilst it was a design that was quite unique and that a lot of people um, commented on as being a good design and, and a recognisable design, I, it was getting a little tired. Um, it was beginning to date a little. Um, I, I was increasingly getting comments from people saying, this is broken or I don't like that font or um, those sort of little niggly comments, which I don't tend to take a whole heap of notice of, but they began to accumulate. Um, the the sidebar began to get quite cluttered, um, as most bloggers will go through that. They keep finding these wonderful new widgets and tools and keep adding them, and, and I sort of got sucked into that as well. And really, I guess my blog outgrew the design in that I added job boards, I started doing videos, um, B5 started between when we started ProBlogger and, and now, and I had to incorporate a toolbar. Um, and so the design I had didn't really give me the space and the layout to incorporate all those types of things. And as I looked at the future of ProBlogger and the ways that I wanted to continue to develop it and expand it as a site, I just didn't see how that design could um, incorporate all those different elements. So I, I guess I took the, the approach, well, if, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it big um, and I'm going to completely redesign rather than just tweak it and um, came up with with... I guess with the help of a couple of others, the design that you see now on ProBlogger. Okay, and you obviously had to cut out a few things too during that process. So was there, uh, like 
given that you've done this for a long time now, and this is the first time you, you really got to totally revamp your entire blog design, were there any particular areas you were trying to highlight and at the same time remove some redundancy? I guess you, you may have considered a lot of the widgets you used to be using were no longer relevant and so forth. So oh, I, I, without giving me the stock standard answer, I just wanted to highlight my RSS feed. <laughs> what were the uh, yeah. sort of areas you were looking to really... Um, to make prominent. Yeah. Well, I guess the two, there's a number of goals that I gave um, to Ben who did the design for me and um, some of them were those stock standard ones. I wanted to continue to increase my you know, subscriber count and uh, I guess increase the loyalty factor and the ability for people to continue to connect with me. I, I increasingly over the last year have had uh, more and more people coming to my blog from Google that's that's one of the areas that ProBlog has really grown. And so to, to capture those readers particularly and to present them with information that would be relevant to them and to help them to go deeper into the site. So it was partly about um, capturing them and, and the RSS feed, highlighting um, in a better way my old posts and my most popular posts. I previously had done that with the menus across the top of the blog, but those those menus didn't really change at all and now I've got a system that is much more um, dynamic in that um, the best posts are highlighted on the front page of, of ProBlogger not by me but by my readers and, and where they go into the site so every month you see a different list there. So it was really about driving people deep into the site, um, capturing them um, via um, RSS or, or the newsletter um, and yeah, that were the main things that I really wanted to do, and I guess then highlighting the new things that I was doing, so the job boards and the video and some of those types of things as well. Okay, so you just mentioned Ben before, and for those who don't know, it's Ben Leekamp. I think that's the correct pronunciation. He um, did your redesign. Uh, you obviously had access to him, I believe, through B5 Media because he's he works for B5, correct? Uh, he did. He he doesn't. Um, I don't think he's one of our employees at this point, but he does do work from us from time to time, and he was involved in um, some of the the templates that we'd developed over the last year or so with B5, and that was one of the reasons that I went with Ben. Um, I looked at a lot of designers. Um, some were blog designers, and I, I kind of looked wider than that as well, looking at website designers and looked at some of the really top studios, um, which were incredibly expensive and very busy. Like that, A lot of them had on their things, we're not taking clients until 2008, that type of... Um, there must be a lot of demand at that end. But uh, I ended up going with Ben mainly because he was familiar with B5 and we had to have some integration with B5 in the design. He was a blogger himself um, and had some interesting ideas on driving people into a blog. And he was really reasonably priced as well. He, um, he, was, he was, I guess, met all those criteria for me, so went with him, yeah. So if, if the people listening to this were looking to also find a, a person to do a custom design as opposed to just getting a theme a free theme. Uh, what, what, what's the sort of process did you go through to find, um, well, I guess we know what you've done, but what would you recommend other people? Obviously, we could say just go contact Ben, but we don't know how much work mm. Ben can do, so there's only a limit, plus he may not be right for every person. So um, what, given you just went through the whole research process, any, any sort of pitfalls you think there are for people to avoid? I guess if I was to do it all over again, um, I... I personally like to look at what people have done previously, so that that um, is key for me. And talk to those um, the owners of those sites, so 
um, if you're looking at someone's portfolio, actually don't be afraid to email the people who um, who they've designed for and ask them questions about how quick they've been and how easy they are to work with and some of those types of things. I don't think you need to spend a fortune on it. There's some really great emerging designers around, but don't be... You may need to spend some money as well, and um, I think every time I've looked into design, it's been you know two or three thousand dollars in that range. You can pay that much for a really good design that has some customization on it. Um, you, there are a lot of cheaper options out there, but whether they'll have the time in that to do detailed work, um, I'm not really sure. But yeah, you, you, you'd be looking at spending um, some decent money on it. Mm. So. Let's well, we can rattle off straight away a few of them. I know there's the, in terms of designers who focus on blog work. There's um, the Blog Design Studio, right? Yep, Peter Fleischner over there. Yeah, yeah, or Toronto, and that's the blog. Is that blogdesignstudio.com or the Blog Design Studio? The, the Blog Design Studio. They did uh, my digital photography school, um, and they they were really great. Um, there's Ben. There's Chris Pearson. Right. Does Chris um, take work from the public? I, I've always wondered that whether he still does that. Yeah, I don't know. I think you might need to know someone who knows someone. Yeah. Chris, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, he's, he does do some work from time to time, so, yeah, I wouldn't be afraid to approach. Okay, there's, um, Nate's, Nate's been doing a fair bit lately. Mm-hmm. He's fairly new on the scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Pollack from Small as well. Solo, I don't know what it is, Solo Stream, or maybe it's... Um, yeah. Uh, I can't remember which which is the domain he uses now, but I know solostream.com will get you to his site. But I think it may be slow something design. Anyway, Michael Pollack, he does work. He did the smallbusinessbranding.com design for me a while ago, um, mm. and that's that. They're the only ones I know of who are dedicated blog designers. So Chris Pearson, Nate Whitehill, Ben Beekamp, Michael Pollack. You can uh, you can go to Rachel Cunliffe over in New Zealand. She did the original pro blogger design. Um, she just still takes on work from time yeah, to time. Yeah, she's still active. Okay. And yeah, then of she's course, got quite a few of her own blogs. So. Then of course you've got the uh, traditional web design industry where you 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 can go as far as to the freelance hubs and, and posting a a request for a design. And I think uh, I know one of the the websites I just recently heard of. Uh, which I should have brought it with me, but it's a website where they actually do uh, bid for your project by giving you samples of, of the work and you can decide which one you want. I think it's the designoutpost.com. And, okay. uh, I might type that right now. Maybe you can type it in right now, Darren, and see if that's the one. Um, and I believe, open up my- what, with that has, you, you go in and say, listen, I need a certain number of a graphic done is, is the typical request. And then all these people will actually pitch, uh, for your project by giving you some graphics and then you pay for the one you want. So it's uh, certainly from the buying side of the fence, it's a uh, pretty reasonable offer. You get to go through five or six people and I'm not sure whether they do that for the a complete blog design. It's a bit more of a commitment, I think, to produce that and potentially not get paid for it. But um, And that's just another case of a, a style of freelance site. Uh, I think everyone knows these sites, guru.com, elance.com, you're getting more scripting-based, script lance, rent-a-coder. But uh, certainly guru.com is the one I'm hearing at the moment is the, the more reliable one. You, and I think Elance can sometimes be a uh, little bit cheaper but not so as reliable. Um, that's if you're outsourcing, of course. But I, I personally think if you're really serious about this blogging uh, area, you are going to you know, pick someone who knows blogging, for starters. Like mm-hmm. web designers, yeah. not necessarily our blog designers. And uh, I, I don't know, I, I 
really should remember to mention my own blog designer who did my entrepreneur's journey design, uh, which is Phil Hartle. Uh, he's a guy local here in Brisbane, and it's actually funny timing. He's just recently just decided to jump into the freelance blog world, and uh, I haven't circulated to my, my, my readers or subscribers yet, but he is going to be taking on one or two people if you want a sort of a design of the caliber of, I guess, entrepreneur's journey, so that we can add him to the collection as well. He's um, fairly familiar with WordPress and so forth. So a lot of options. We should probably jump on the next topic, though, which is the most uh, very important part of it, and you did mention it before, which is price and how you really come to uh, reach a, a price you should expect to pay and then how to negotiate with the designer as well because mm. I don't know about you, Darren, but when I work with designers, and we'll talk about this in a second too, I tend to change the smallest little details and we go through this process where I'm going, you just move that a little bit higher up, a little bit down the left, and, and I, I think if I was a designer, I'd be a terrible client because I'd be really annoying. <laughs> so yeah. how do you uh, you know work something out so you're not leaving the relationship having totally destroyed this person after feeling like they get ripped off. So. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is tough, and I guess you need to think about the boundaries of the relationship up front. Um, I found the more you can think about it as the blogger what you want in the design and start with the big things, you know, start with the big rocks and then put in the little pebbles and the, the sand, Stephen Covey's principles. Uh, if you do that, then it tends to work better, um, and I, that's the way I worked on it. So we worked on our logo, we worked on do we want to be a one column, two column, three column and those types of big decisions and then just narrowed it down. Um, but you, I guess you need to, I mean Ben and I, we had a, we had a price right from the start which um, included everything pretty much and, and he's still doing work on, on ProBlogger for me, just those little tweak, fine tuning things. But it's always a weird relationship. You never quite know where it ends. Mm. <laughs> like I guess I'm in that phase now with Ben and we probably need to I probably need to ask him, do I need to be paying you now for these little tweaks that you're doing yeah. and, and that type of stuff. So yeah, it might be worth um, I guess defining up front what your sign off would be. What what where the relationship ends. Um, that was probably something that Ben and I didn't do, but probably should have. Yeah, it's a funny thing because it's pretty clear you and Ben are, are sort of mates as well, friends. So there's a level of comfort you have working with each other and you don't, like if Ben says, well, you know, I did end up putting an extra 10 hours, can you throw me a, you know, an extra couple hundred dollars? He's, you're going to say, sure. But, well, mm. depending on what he did, of course. But, you know, if, yeah, if don't it's tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> If uh, you've never worked with a person before, there's no prior relationship, and this is a pure contractual basis, you know, go, you go by the rules of any uh, contract for service. Where, for example, like at a, a freelancing site, where you, the more you stipulate that what the deal includes, the less potential for miscommunication you have. So, and, and all good freelancers are the ones who really, uh, you know, need to look after this area because it's hard to get someone to pay you money, you know, when you feel like you're owed it, than it is to, you know, necessarily get you know, after the fact, then to get more work done in a lot of ways. So it's the designers who can end up undercutting their own work, I believe, depending on how you structure mm -hmm. a relationship. If you're giving all the money up front before the design's finished, then of course the the risk is the person paying for the design. But that's not common practice. I don't I don't know about your work with Ben, but every time I've had some design work done, it's usually been on a some sort of segmented payment basis. Maybe one one third up front, one third at a beta, mm -hmm. one third. At when you sign off as done or, so, or even 50-50. Right. And, uh, you know, that attempts to cover everyone. And, but really, if you really want to be safe with this, it's create a document, 
write out every single uh, clause that you want this to cover and what you expect and how many hours additional where there will there be after the design is done for fixing all these little little nitty things that you want to get glossed over. So, uh, I, I, to be honest, though, I, I hate doing documentation. So, I, <laughs> I, when I do my designs with with the designer who works with me at the moment, it's like um, I get a because we live in the same city, we actually meet face to face and we look at a few blogs. Mm. You know, uh, I sit there and go, "Oh, I really like the way ProBlogger did this. I really like the way John Chow did this, and I really like the way this new site did this." And we sort of almost draw in pencil how we want the, the site to mm. look. He comes back with a, a, a preview, basically, which he cuts up in a, a graphics program. Like he won't actually create a website or just draw it in a graphics program for me so I can see it before he, he goes and turns that into a website, which is great because you can make changes to that much easier than you can an actual mm. active website. And you know, I find that has worked really well, but only because the designer who is my, my friend here in Brisbane, Mick, and he does uh, just, we have almost like a same taste in a lot of ways, and he knows the bloggers mm. really well. And because of that, it's very rare that he, he puts something in where I go, Ugh, what are you thinking, man? But it's more often like, wow, that's that's better than I thought. But you can have yeah. a designer who doesn't get it, and if you haven't stipulated what you want, then you really get something totally left field, totally left field. So did you have any documentation when you worked with Ben? Not at all. We d- did it all via email. Um, I think we may have had a couple of um, Skype um, instant messaging. We we have actually never spoke to one another during the process. Um, so yeah, it was fairly. Um, I guess it was documented via email, but there was no contract or anything like that. Um, but that was mainly because it came out of relationship already, and that that helped a lot in in the design process. Um, the fact that Ben knew me, knew people that I knew, that type of thing. There was that accountability there as well. I guess um, both ways. So yeah, there was and a bit of a trust. And how how much do you do you expect someone should have to pay then? Let's get back to the question we <laughs> kind of glossed over before. Yeah. What should you pay for a, a custom blog design? It's really hard. I mean, I've heard designers quote anything from a few hundred dollars up to many thousands of dollars. Um, now, ProBlogger had a fair bit of there was a bit of coding behind there to get the best of ProBlogger widget up and running. Um, so there was a bit more customization there, a bit more standard. Blog would probably be, I don't know, maybe $800 or something like that. But um, a lot of, yeah, I, I'm hearing more and more going over the $1,000 mark for a, something unique and special. I mean, you've got to factor in with us as well. We also um, hired a, a logo designer um, to do the logo because Ben doesn't do logos as much. So um, th- there's another cost to involve, right. um, to include as well. So how did you go about finding a logo designer? Uh, again, it was word of mouth. Um, a number of people suggested Mike Road, um, who we ended up using from, um, I think he's, what's he from? Malaku, Mac, Makalu Media. <laughs> Spell that one. <laughs> um, yeah, M-A-K-A-L-U Media. Um, so yeah, basically it was word of mouth that, that we found okay. um, Mike. So, and I looked at a few of his logos and like what he did. So you know, you and I have the, the benefit of connections with these sort of people's because of our profile, but for someone who doesn't have this word of mouth access, the best way is to walk up to Darren and say, "Who did your blog design? Can I be referred to them?" You think that's that yeah? Like- I mean, I, I get that email at least two or three times a week, um, and so I I would point people to Ben and Rachel who've done design in the blog studio who've worked for me before, and that's 
I mean, all my blogs have who designs them linked somewhere on the blog as well. So I, I've done a bit of crazy egg tracking where people click on the blog and that's one of the hot links on the site. Um, so yeah. I presume a lot of people know to look for, you know, who, who a site's designed. It's usually on an about page or in a footer. So that's probably the best way. Find a blog that you like the look of and then do some investigating. And uh, you know, going back to price, I, I think every single person we've mentioned now is a dedicated blog designer. Not one of them are going to do a custom design for what under a thousand, under two thousand. Is that sort of? Yeah, somewhere in that that range, I would think would be fairly normal. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot. Speaking to a lot of them, they get very frustrated when someone comes along and and takes that. Um, well, I need something for $100 or $200 or a mate's rates type stuff. Um, yeah. These people are trying to make a living. Um, they're running a business, and so if you want something special, then you've got to be willing to pay for that. And that, I know that's really frustrating for a blogger just getting going, um, but if, if that's where you're coming from and you don't have that kind of budget, then I'd say make friends with someone else who has done their own design. That's how I got my first blog design. I made friends with Rachel who did Pro Blogger and um, the first thing that she ever did for me was for free and I taught her some stuff and, and we sort of swapped ideas in that way but eventually that relationship progressed to me paying for her to do some design for me. Mm-hmm. And I think most of the more prominent bloggers will have, I, I'm pretty sure John's recent design was free, um, it's too money free but you know Nate, the person who did those designs from Unique Blog Designs, he obviously saw the the value of having such a massive exposure on on large blogs. So yeah. that's the way to kickstart design business. That's a very good way to do it, um, and that's win win for anyone. But most people listening to this won't have the advantage of a high profile. So uh, I think, to be honest, um, if you're you really know from day one when you start your blog how serious you're taking it, and you also know what your financial situation is as well. So if if you are you're really, really serious. This is your full-time occupation. Even if you're not necessarily making full-time income from it yet, you you are planning for a, having a unique design very quickly or you're being very creative in how you can get a unique design done by perhaps doing some sort of contra deals. And I know I, I've interviewed David Krug about some of his uh, blog flipping sort of projects and he has a relationship with Chris Pearson, we mentioned before, where Chris would actually take uh, sort of an equity share in the blog project in exchange for doing the blog design. So there was no uh, initial sunk cost for David to get a custom theme, but when he finally realized the value from the project at, at the point of sale, 10% or 5%, something like that, would go to Chris. And you know, Chris sort of takes a gamble, I guess, that David would get a result from that, but Dave, given David's track record, he, he almost always gets some results, so some are better than others. But, um, you know, that's and that's a sort of contra-arrangement you could, you could look around for, especially if you've got perhaps reputation or you know everyone has some network it may not be in mm. like us the blogging world but they have some network so if you can tap onto your network and find through connections the right type of people then you can do arrangements where you, you share services or even just do it for what I call like a giving mindset knowing that somewhere down the line this person's focused enough on what they're doing that you will get some kind of reward back for providing help sure. And of course, if you've got two grand lying around, hey, just go find a custom design and, and designer and get it done. Um, yeah. Which leads me to the next point. Yeah, I'll oh, just say one more thing. Uh, one of the things I noticed was even with the Blog Herald, I noticed I get a little bit of traffic from their portfolio page. So um, it, it 
kind of can, if you choose the right designer, someone who's got a name, um, you can actually almost launch your site off the back of that a little bit um, and launch off the back of, you know, this is a blog herald, no, no, blog herald, this is a blog studio design or um, this is a Chris Pearson design and then use that um, launch period to to benefit you out of it and perhaps pay pay off some of, of the cost. So you should factor in that. It's almost like goodwill or, or uh, reputation transference there that you get. So, man, that's yeah, not... Yeah, I know some restaurants here in Melbourne, when they launch, they, they launch by saying who did their interior design because everyone knows the certain designers and um, they want to go and check out their latest work. So <laughs> I guess it's lever- leveraging that profile of the, the calibre of person that you've got working. Um, such a Melbourne thing to do that. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys with your fashion down there, I don't know. <laughs> Well, we've talked about the expensive routes and uh, the contra deal way. Let's let's go back to what most bloggers do do, though, which is get a free theme and then, as an option, get some kind of custom modification done to it. So, obviously, we can get designers or freelancers to change a WordPress theme. Most people will be aware of the, uh, what is it, WordPress.themes.net, I think is the name of the WordPress theme site. Um giving out the right address there, but and that's got thousands of free themes. And if you go to Google and type WordPress themes, you'll get a lot of options. And they're, some of them are really nice. I, I have a, mm. you know, a lot of respect for what people are giving away for free. And given how there's so many of them, chances are you're never going to come across another blog using the, the same theme if you don't choose one of the super popular ones. Like, you know, everyone's using Brian Clark's old theme since Chris released that. So I've seen that everywhere now. and It's it's almost made it look ugly. It's weird. When Brian was using it, I thought it was great. And now that everyone's using it, I'm like, oh, so sick of this <laughs> design. Yeah, it's fine. But, um, yeah. Three, three themes are great. Um, did you ever or have you ever used them in, on your blogs before, Darren? Yeah, for sure. Um, I never got anyone else to adapt them. I always tried to do it myself, sometimes quite unsuccessfully, um, as I'm just terrible when it comes to design. But, I mean, it can get you through that launch phase, and that's what I would actually suggest if you're just starting out, unless you have got a budget, like, already. Um, if you're just testing the waters with blogging, then maybe hold off for a couple of months just to see whether you can keep a blog running for that long if you can post every day and in that meantime just use a, a free theme um, you may want to try a few tweaks or put up your own logo or something like that or pay for someone just to do a logo which can really lift a, a theme um, and, and just see how you go with that and you can always get uh, a customised theme made for you later um, so yeah I've used them my digital photography school I had a, um, a free theme on that for six or seven or eight months even um, and that blog grew quite a bit with that theme on it. It must be said, though, and I know from experience this happens for me, having a theme that you have some vested interest in, and that can be just a, a modified free theme, but you've customized it quite significantly, or you've paid for a completely new theme, mm-hmm. does give you a level of, of vested interest and motivates you sure. to, to really mm-hmm. put out some great work. And I, I, for me, me and my designer, we... we find this process a lot of fun we actually call it candy we're always working on our candy and that's what our blog design is it's like candy for us and the whole process creating a new blog design really is a lot of fun and you know putting it out into the world and and having everyone see it is is great and it does make you more motivated to write your blog and and not only does it refresh your website i think it refreshes you as well um as a blogger writing a blog so 
Um, yeah, I, I liken it to the last time I bought a, a car. I, I didn't really drive much in my old car, but when I got a new one, I drove it a lot more. I was, <laughs> I loved it. I enjoyed using it. I, it energised my driving experience. Um, and the same is true with my, you know, my new blog. It's, you know, you can go through periods in your blogging where you feel a bit burnt out, and you know, putting on a new look can actually give you a bit of a buzz, give your readers um, the, the perception that you're fresh and current. Um, and it can really energise you and your blogging. So, yeah, I'd agree with that. Mm. And I, I want to jump back. I know we're going all over the place here with our topics, but we, there's one thing I wanted to ask you, Darren, was regards to, we mentioned subscription area as a very important, important section of your site. Now, something I do for my blog, at least when we're comparing pro blogger to, to Entrepreneur's Journey and, and in particular, my new Entrepreneur's Journey design, which is not quite out as we record this, but will be soon, I'm really highlighting my opt-in form to my newsletter. And this is not my blog updates newsletter, as it puts out content that's taken straight from my blog. It's a, you know, it's, it's an opt-in form for an email list, essentially. And I'm really going to be leveraging that aspect of my blog because I want my email list to be pretty much the... the Besides coming to read content at my blog, the main call to action, the main thing I want people to do once I get to my blog, where you know some people really want to highlight their RSS feed, which I think is equally important, but I also want a lot of opt-ins to my email list. For you, I remember you used to have a, a newsletter on ProBlogger, which was separate, I believe, from this. Do you still run that? I don't promote it anymore. I do have that, and I will still put out a newsletter once a month to it. Um, but I guess that was one of the, the hard decisions I had to make in, in the redesign. Having a newsletter opt-in as well as an RSS link as well as uh, subscribe to me via email, my RSS via email, it actually I did some testing with some people and it became a bit confusing. Um, so I, I decided just to go back for, for this time um, as a bit of a test just to RSS and to see whether I can increase my RSS subscription and my um, email RSS to email subscriptions by getting rid of that newsletter. So I'm still putting out the newsletter once every four to six weeks, um, but just focusing on collecting um, RSS subscribers at the moment. It seems to have worked. I'm getting a lot. I'm getting an increased amount of people subscribing to my RSS feed via email as yeah. a result of that. And that makes complete sense, doesn't it? People don't even understand necessarily what RSS is and if you've got two boxes that both say enter an email to subscribe to something, there is exactly. a conflict there and it's a confusion point. And, and to be honest, that's one of the hardest areas I'm having with the new design for me is I do want to you know, not discourage RSS subscription too much and yet I want people mostly to go, but ideally I want them both to do both, <laughs> you know, go into the option as well as the, but you, you, yeah, you've got to avoid the confusion point. So I think you made a good call there in removing the, the uh, newsletter part of the, opt-in process but I think the point to make it, there it, go ahead differs a lot from blog to blog like on digital photography school I still have both and they're both working really well they're both growing at a higher rate um, and that's because I direct all subscribers to one page which outlines the different options so it's not it's not on every page you can't subscribe from every page but I'm driving traffic to this one central page which highlights RSS feed RSS to email and then the newsletter, and I'm finding a lot of people subscribing to both the email, the RSS to email, as well as the newsletter, um, because I'm explaining it there. I've got this whole page dedicated to that explanation. Whereas on ProBlogger, um, 
I didn't, I found people didn't actually use a page like that as much when I tested it for a while. People wanted to subscribe on the page, and so I had to make that choice. Hmm. What would be actually interesting is, <laughs> getting a bit off topic here, but integrating the subscribe to a blog for blog updates within some sort of newsletter function. So you're getting additional mm-hmm. content, plus you're getting the latest articles at the blog um, so that there isn't a conflict of interest. I mean, I just thought of that right then and there since you said you have one yeah. page for digital photography school. So, and that's possible. Yeah, I actually suggest, I suggested it to Feedburner that they actually give bloggers the ability to send something out to their subscribers um, via the RSS feed or via their RSS to email rather than actually going up on the blog. I know you can do it through the back end, but it would be great if Feedburner would give that sort of feature as well. Well, I'm using AWeber, the autoresponder, from my RSS to email function, and that does give me the functionality because it does it actually creates an email list from those opt-ins for the for the RSS updates, and you know you can stipulate do you want five posts or ten posts or every post as it comes out to go out to your email subscribers. So it's certainly it's definitely feasible, but um, the point there has it ties back into design is really deciding. The one, and I think it really should be one feature other than your content itself that you are trying to convince people to do at your blog. And for most bloggers, when they're thinking about doing a design, it is the subscribing part. That's the part. I mean, Brian Clark talks about it so much. You're here to capture some way of retaining your audience. So that part of your blog design should be above the fold, should be the, the, the first or second thing after your content that they go to do if they haven't done it already. So... Um, Definitely, that's the first thing you're talking to your designer about when it comes to getting uh, a custom design done. Uh, pretty much covers most of the topics that we want to cover, Darren. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, we, we really didn't cover very much about working with the designer besides the fact that both of us do it quite ambiguously because of the relationship we have established with the designer. If you don't have that, you're, you're going to be producing some kind of documentation. Is there, are there any other pitfalls do you think we need to be looking out for in terms of getting a design done? One little mistake I made was to forget to put my uh, Google Analytics code in my new design. Um, so I had three days where it just, I, I've got no data, which was kind of unfortunate because there were three pretty crucial days after my uh, design went up. So right, I don't yeah. actually know what, know what happened then. I can see the Alexa traffic went sky high, but I'd like to have known what actually happened. But I guess um, for me, the main lesson learnt was that the more you as the blogger know what you want, the the better for your for your designer. Um, ben and I probably took most of our time actually tossing around ideas because I I didn't really know what I wanted. I just wanted something new, and and so um, I've seen other bloggers just give the straight pitch to their designers of these are the ten things I want. This is the way I want it outlined, and that process is a lot quicker. Um, so I guess the more you know what you want and thinking about those general goals that you want, are you trying to increase subscribers, are you trying to drive people to old tra- old posts, whatever it might be, you, you need to outline those things pretty clearly up front and know what you're after so that you can then review it and say, did the design work? Which ties into the point about you know the reason why these blog designers are well, I won't say expensive, but they do cost more than a freelancer, it is because they they will in- inherently know certain things about the way a blog works that other designers won't know. Like, you know, you just talked about um, the importance of highlighting RSS. There's certain search and optimization elements that a blog designer might understand 
they understand the way content is structured within a blog and what a blog is trying to do. And you know, these are things that that if you get a designer who's not familiar with, if you don't stipulate it specifically, they're not going to do it naturally. But if you go to one of these designers who who do blog design on a regular basis, uh, know the ins and outs of WordPress. I've done some fairly large projects before. They're going to tick those boxes whether you ask them to or not, simply because they know mm. how this system works. So, uh, I think one of the biggest pitfalls is to pick a really lousy designer. <laughs> that's that's a simple, yeah, that's you know, and and then finding uh, testimonials and portfolios and speaking to previous clients and checking out the code behind the websites that they've done previously and seeing how it looks and all these little due diligence things you can do before you actually hire someone and then start that process, but. You know, I, I personally think if you're serious, you're going to go to one of the bigger designers we've mentioned simply because of that experience they have. And I hope we don't flood them all with business after doing something like this because it's, you know, it is a, a marketplace that's, I think, underserviced at the moment. So if you, anyone out there is a designer and you're looking for a, a market to enter, I think blog design is one where there's definitely untapped potential at the moment. Not enough service providers. Okay, uh, one last question, Darren. You, you just mentioned that you, you missed out on some of the, the statistics on the traffic you got, but obviously there was some pretty massive traffic after your redesign. Did you do anything in particular to build buzz over that design, or did that just happen naturally because everyone already reads ProBlogger? Um, for me, it just happened fairly naturally. Um, I did build the anticipation a little about it, um, so I posted for a few weeks beforehand that new design coming and um, I think the day before I launched I showed the logo and talked a little bit about some of the reasons why I, I decided to do what I, I did with the site. Um, it, it was a fairly big departure not having the blog on the front page of ProBlogger and going more to a portal look mm. so I wanted to I guess do a little bit of change management there. Sometimes readers can really react badly um, to that type of change so um, yeah, I, I did some explanation of that, I, but I didn't really do a lot of promotion of, you know, look at me, look at my new design. I'm, that's not really the way I, I operate. I'll let others do that if they wish, um, and, and that worked quite well for me. Um, there was a, quite a spike in traffic. I think just, just by the fact that you write, I've got a new design, will draw your RSS readers over to your site to look, and most of whom don't care because they never see your design anyway but um, they come <laughs> yep. out of curiosity and um, you find more people linked to your site as a result of that which helps search engine traffic and all that kind mm. of stuff so every time I've done a design a redesign of a site I've noticed a spike in traffic and then things return to slightly higher than normal uh, as a result of all that so yeah for me it just kind of happened without much it, it emotion. is it is quite a shame that you've got all these RSS readers and, you know, you go to the trouble of making your site look quite pretty and, and they're never even seeing it. And really, you're just doing redesigns for yourself most of the time, aren't you? <laughs> just so you yeah, can although, your I mean, I, I, I have a fairly reasonable success rate at drawing people over to comment, so um, that's that's where yeah. I'd probably have a few more visits on my site than, than some others. But, yeah, you're right. It's a bit frustrating at times, but that's life. Mm. So we're going to start doing custom um, RSS feed design soon, aren't we? Yeah. Well, I mean, the beauty of it, a redesign, a good-looking site, is that you'll increase the rate of subscribers as well because when people come to your site, they go, this is professional, I'll subscribe to this. I'll never see it again <laughs> yeah. you know, in the flesh, but they actually subscribe because you've got something that looks like it's subscribable. Um, so, yeah. Like it, your, it your first impression, like you mentioned in some of the, that video you did. 
All right, well, I think we'll wrap it up, Darren. Uh, like I, I think we've said this before, we should do these podcasts on a, a regular basis. Feel free to mention any comments if you guys are enjoying these podcasts. Darren and I have done a few of them now, and uh, I, I, I do enjoy them. So um, hope everyone got something out of that. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to check out Probloggers Redesigned yet, if you're re- listening to this by RSS, now's a good chance to go have a look. <laughs> and my design at, at entrepreneurs-journey.com probably sometime in October we'll be going live and doing a few interesting things there too so I'm sure that will hopefully I can get a bit of buzz myself from that but that's it any more last minute comments Darren? No oh, the only other thought I had was um, track the way people use your site so use a tool like Crazy Egg which I think we we mentioned in our last podcast um, before and after you do your design just to see where people are clicking on your site um, where are the hot areas and that you can tr- track the success rate um, of your goals or your key goals um, for, your, for your design that way. Now, I've found that to be quite helpful just to analyse the before and after shots. Good stuff. All right. Thanks for uh, joining me on the call, Darren, and hope everyone enjoyed it, and we'll catch you again on another call soon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>